Good morning. Happy Monday, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Curious Neuron Podcast. My name is Cindy Huffington, and I'm your host. And this is Cindy Unedited, where I just talk for a few minutes about a topic or a question that I received. And I invite you to send in your questions. You could reach me at info at curiousneuron.com or you could um, come visit me on Instagram at curious underscore neuron. Now, today's topic is something that is very um, common. It's 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 a broader topic, but you know, questions I received often revolve around a child's behavior. Now, parents might not expect the answer that I give them. First of all, working on a child's behavior is is not an easy fix. It's not a simple answer. It's it's very complicated. So sometimes I receive these questions on Instagram. And I can't really solve the person or the parent's problem in that moment. However, I can give them a framework to work with. And that's what I want to share with you today. Before I dive into that, I'd like to thank the Tannenbaum Open Science Institute for supporting the Curious Neuron podcast. And you know what I'm going to say next, right? (laughs) I would love for you to... I would love for you to click out of this podcast and to rate it and leave a review on iTunes. Let me know if you're enjoying it. It really means a lot to me to know if you are, are, you know, taking something from it. You could leave a review if you'd like or just rate it. Rate it out of five stars. It takes three seconds and it really means the world to me. Now, when it comes to our child's behavior, there's something that I, I, I advise parents. Before we zoom in to the behavior, because, you know, when we do zoom in, then it's a problem that we're trying to solve. If the child is hitting, if the child is yelling and not regulating their emotions, we're, we're going to zoom in at some point. But before we zoom into the problem, I recommend that parents zoom out. And there's like a one step back, two step back process and a three step back process sort of. I guess that's the visualization I'd like for you to have today. Um, but let's say our child is, is you know, very aggressive and hitting and and you know, being mean to their sibling. We're going to zoom in at some point, but by stepping out and zooming out, this is what I mean. If we step out, we assess the immediate environment. So what are they trying to communicate? Is their sibling um, triggering them by doing something? Is, is you know, uh, is something happening that we need to really reassess in their, in their close environment, being their sibling or a friend or a person in particular. Then when we zoom out, we include ourselves. We include both the parents. And when we include first ourselves, we assess our reaction to their behaviors. How are we responding? Are we we responding to certain behaviors with just discipline? Are we also showing warmth and connection? Because as you know from previous episodes, balancing warmth connection with boundaries or limits or rules is the, the suggested way of parenting according to research. So when we step out a little bit slowly, slowly, and we're stepping out and first we see ourselves in there, how are we responding to a child? Because if everything is just about rules and boundaries without the connection and the warmth, then they're missing that part. They're missing the nurturing part and the connection part and the, the attachment part, right? Um, so we view ourselves. Also, when we step back and we view ourselves, there's a lot of work that goes into that because we might be parenting a certain way because of how we were raised. Um, I gave a workshop and you could visit curiousneuron.com and click on the top link at the top. There's a bar at the top that talks about childhood. And there's a workshop that I gave in January that speaks about, you know, reevaluating how we were, we were raised because that'll impact how we are 
um, reacting to stresses in our environment. So our stress system could be hypersensitive because of, you know, either trauma in our, in our childhood or it doesn't have to be trauma. It, it could be a divorce. It could be not feeling seen as a child. It could be an adverse childhood event of some sort. So there are many things that could contribute to how our brain Um, how it kind of developed. And I'm going to have a solo episode or a Cindy unedited episode specifically about that. Um, so that's what happens when we zoom out. We start seeing different pieces of the puzzle that plays into our child's behavior. Um, not saying that it's directly linked. Sometimes it's just a tool that our child needs. But today, what I just want to highlight is the fact that sometimes we focus in on that behavior and we just discipline and that's not teaching anything. Or sometimes we teach our child and teach and teach and focus on skills and tools, but we haven't zoomed out of the situation. And by zooming out, like I said, we're first including who's next to them and during or what's happening in, in those specific situations. Then as we continue zooming out, then we include ourselves. So now that's what we were talking about just now, you know, how we were raised, how we're responding to their emotions, how did we learn to manage emotions? Because perhaps we're yelling a lot or, and we're not managing our own emotions in front of our child. And now it's leading to them struggling with managing their emotions. So emotion regulation, which we've spoken about here on, on the podcast, you could listen to the episode with Dr. Tina Montreuil. She is a researcher that focuses on emotion regulation skills. Um, that's something that if we did not learn how to do as a child, then we will struggle with our own emotions. We will struggle with emotions during social situations with our partner, with our friends, with our coworkers. And then we also struggle with the same thing with our child. So we need to put some thought into that. Now, if we step back again and we're, we're, we're still zooming out of the situation, we're including ourselves and our partner, if we have a partner at home, um, and we're looking at our relationship because as Dr. Tina Montreuil says in her episode, there's research around the fact that children will learn how to develop their emotions based on three things. First, how we, the parent, regulate our emotions around them. Secondly, based on the parenting style, which is what I mentioned before, balancing that warmth and connection with the limit and the limits and the boundaries. And thirdly, it's the Um, the relationship that we have, or we show them in their environment. So we, if we are struggling with our partner right now, if we are having, you know, um, some issues in our marriage and what they're seeing in this environment is a lot of bigger emotions, uh, aggressivity, or, um, you know, not really regulating and controlling our emotions or social skills that aren't really You know, it's just because our emotions and our stress are, are through the roof and we're struggling communicating and, and having and with our relationship in the home. This can have an impact in how our child is behaving. It can have an impact on how they are managing their own emotions. It can also have an impact on the development of their stress system. There are studies that show that even a, a baby who's sleeping, who's hearing a very intense, so not just a regular you know, conversation or a heated conversation or argument, but a very intense argument um, in the background, even when they're sleeping, their heart rate increases. So this is not to say that we can't ever have arguments in front of our children because it's part of 
society. It's part of normal life that we have arguments and discussions with people. But what's important when you do have these big arguments is to show the repair part in front of your child. And I'm going to invite a therapist who will be joining me in a later episode um, to talk about marriage and parenting because there's a lot that we need to uncover around that topic. So I don't want to speak as a specialist around that. I just want to speak as somebody who's read the research on emotion regulation skills. So now that we've zoomed out and we've assessed, you know, the immediate environment, ourselves, our relationship with our partner, we keep zooming out and we think about who else is in our child's environment, the grandparents, you know, what sort of relationship do, does our child have with them? Um, are they acting differently when they're with their grandparents? Are they acting differently when they come home from their grandparents? Then we keep zooming out again and now we're including daycare, we're including school and preschool. How are the relationships you know, in that environment, is their teacher treating them properly? Are they struggling with that relationship? Are they behaving differently when they come back from school? So now that one situation or that one behavior where our child has hit their sibling, for instance, that is reoccurring and we're struggling because we're telling them you can't hit, you should not hit your sibling. And we're focusing in and zooming in on that one behavior when we zoom out, we might be able to see that there are many other variables that are, you know, playing into that one behavior. Um, I, I recommend when I work with parents that they have a notebook or just a notepad for this kind of, you know, situation. Because when we start to note things down or, or make, um, you know, even on our phone, where we jot some things down, for example, I've noticed that my child acts out mostly after daycare. Um, it might be uh, because there's something that's overstimulating in their environment. They might, they, you know, coming, just the fact of coming back from daycare or school, that is an overstimulating environment. So some kids are able to manage that, but some kids like Dr. Um, no, sorry, like Laura Pedix, I interviewed her in a past episode as well, where we spoke about sensory sensitivities and she talks about the cup, right? So our, as adults, our cup for for sensory sensitivities is much larger than a child um, and, or a child with sensory sensitivities. They have a very small cup. So their cup will overflow, overflow more easily than ours. Um, so we need to take all of that in mind. And once we start zooming out before we zoom in, then we're able to see all the variables that play into that one behavior. So that really is my biggest advice for parents when they talk about, you know, behaviors or, or certain things that their child is doing or they're saying, um, I really recommend that before you zoom in, that you zoom out. I hope that this episode was helpful to you. It's hard to apply uh, I, in one episode, you know, like it's hard to, for me to apply this for all different kinds of behaviors, but I hope that this gives you a bit of a framework so that ne next time, um, if you're struggling with your child because of a certain behavior, that you open up a little tab a little tab or something on your phone or grab a paper and then start taking notes down what's going on with my child um is this behavior happening specifically with a person is this behavior happening at a specific time of the day is my child tired is my child hungry so those are the immediate things right when we take that first step back and then start noting down how you're responding to it was it is it happening on days where you feel most tired or stressed? And I could tell you from my experience that when there's a day that I have some sort of deadline with a company that I'm working with, 
uh, or I have a meeting, a really big meeting, and my meetings are in the afternoon. So for those of you who are new here at the Curious Neuron Podcast, I have three kids, a two, a four, and a six-year-old. During the day, I'm home with my kids. I homeschool my six-year-old. I have meetings for Curious Neuron in the afternoons. And then at night uh, and on weekends, I work on Curious Neuron as a company. I work with, uh, I consult with different companies, toy companies and apps. And I also work with some parents. So this is you know, the environment that I have. And sometimes I've noticed that when I am a little bit more stressed about something that's coming up, those days are harder. So it's not necessarily that my kids wanted to act out that day, but they're kind of feeding off of my energy. They're feeding off the fact that I'm tired. They're feeding off the fact that my patients (laughs) are a little thinner than usual. And I've noticed that those are the days where their behavior changes. And I've only noticed because I've taken the time to step back and really assess the situation. So I know that during those days, when I know that I'm going to be you know, stressed and and tired, or I haven't slept the night before, um, that I need to be aware of my reaction. And what I mean by that is if something happens, instead of reacting right away, because I know that my brain isn't controlling those reactions, I don't know, I don't know if I've ever spoken about this actually for the podcast, but the emotions part of our brain, the amygdala is connected to the frontal part of our brain, right, right behind our forehead. And when we are stressed, um, the frontal part of the brain, which is in charge of taking all those emotions that come out of the amygdala and saying, okay, here's what you're going to do with it. You're not going to smash the table (laughs) when your boss tells you that you have a deadline and you need to stay, you know, at work very late. Don't, don't flip a table. Let's chill. Let's relax. (laughs) That's, that's your frontal lobe. And uh, it regulates and controls your emotions in concert with other parts of the brain, obviously, but that's what's happening inside your brain. Now, what happens is that when we are stressed, that frontal lobe it's not working. It doesn't feel like it. It's on strike. (laughs) And it's what happens is that we have these big emotions and there's nothing that our brain tells us. Like it doesn't do anything. It doesn't stop it. It doesn't, you know, disperse the emotions. It just says, you want to flip that table? Hey, (laughs) go ahead, flip it. Uh, And we can control that. So that's what leads to us kind of being triggered more easily or having less patience or reacting in a way where we're like, oh, why, why did I say that to my partner? Or, or why did I do that with my kid? And you, you regret it immediately because now all of a sudden you're thinking again. Um, but that's the frontal part of the brain. So when I do wake up and I try to be mindful, um, I had a post on Instagram. I don't know if I can give you a visual of this, but uh, I don't know if some of you come from the Mortal Kombat days. Of the, is that Nintendo or Super Nintendo? I'm not sure which one. Um, but, you know, you play these fighting games and you have the, the lifeline at the top. And first you see the it's green, yellow and red. And when it's red flashing, you're almost done. Um, so I try to visualize some sort of meter in my head. It could be a cup of being half full and, and overflowing, whatever visual you want. But I've been doing this for a few years now. And it really helps to gauge my inner stress, my, my, my emotions. It, 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 for me, it's been helpful and perhaps it'll be helpful for you as well. Um, but what I do is I have this sort of meter visualized in my head. And if I wake up and I know that I have a really important meeting and I'm already stressed about it, I know that my meter isn't on the green. It's, it's, it's not in the green. I did not start my day super calm. I know that I'm either yellow or red, not red flashing, but red. Um, so this means that if my toddler spills milk at breakfast, 
there's a good chance that I get upset when I really shouldn't have. And I should just, you know, explain to him whatever it is to, to be careful with your glass of milk. But there's a good chance if I'm in the yellow or the red that I just lose it, that I get upset. Um, and by being more mindful of what's going on in my brain, I'm able to control my reactions. And I, what I like to do is give a space. So if my child has, a, 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 you know, an emotional outburst or gets mad or behaves in a certain way, I'll take a deep breath and slowly, instead of just reacting and responding to the, the, the situation or the behavior, I just take a deep breath. I remind myself of where I am on, on my emotional or stress scale, you know, in my head. If it's green, then I'm good to go and I could respond to it. If it's yellow or red, I might take an extra breath, take some time <laughs> to respond to my child because when I do that, then I'm not going to say something that I regret. And, and I'm, I'm saying this and I hope you know that I don't do this every time. It's not humanly possible because sometimes you're just too stressed and just too tired. And it doesn't matter if you have 55 PhDs <laughs> or, or none at all. You will respond in a human way, which is by yelling if you are tired and if you are stressed. However, you know, there's that 80-20 rule and that's what I try to follow. Uh, it took me years to learn this, but trying to follow this mindset of Where am I, you know, in terms of my stress level? Where am I in terms of my emotions and, and regulating myself and, and bringing myself back down or acknowledging the fact that I cannot bring myself back down, step away from a situation if I have to, or just, you know, choose to respond to it later if I can, not ignore it, but decide what makes sense for myself and then for my kids. This is what has been super helpful. I hope this was helpful to you. Um, so today we spoke a lot about like zooming out before you zoom in and, and really gauging your stress levels and your emotional regulation before you respond to your child. Let me know if you're enjoying these episodes, these Cindy unedited episodes. I am because it's a lot less work and I get to chat with you on Mondays. I don't know if you're enjoying the Mondays as well. Please reach out to me, email me at info at curiousneuron.com or come visit me at curious underscore neuron on Instagram. Take a moment to rate the, review, uh, rate the podcast and leave a review when you're done listening. And I will speak to you next Monday. Bye. Have a good week.